Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome back to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell, and this is episode number 42. Today will be a solo show where I'll talk about how the path of least resistance is often the wrong path. But before we get into that, let's jump into my personal update. All right, so this week kind of started out interesting as we had a bit of a windstorm come through and knock out the power here. Now, we we do have a generator, but we don't usually use it unless the power is going to be out for like a day or two. We do have a wood stove, so no electricity is not really a huge issue when it comes to heating the house. Actually, the biggest issue when we have a windstorm or it's rainy is that my lab husky, Tuxedo, he gets really scared. <laughs> really, anytime there's any kind of weather at all. And so we, we have a lot of things in our house that when we lose power, they like chirp or beep, especially if the power goes on and off a few times. And he is very afraid of those sounds. And so not only does he get terrified when we actually lose power, but he's scared before we even start to lose power because he knows that, you know, windstorms and rainstorms lead to losing power. It's, it's a whole thing. So basically, the only thing that makes him less scared is to go outside. And if it's not too cold or rainy, then I'll let him out. But the wind chill on... Monday and Tuesday was negative 19. So I couldn't just like let him outside, um, which is where he feels the safest. So Monday night and all day Tuesday were basically me just trying to console him and then drugging him with calming CBD drops for dogs. They work really well and relax him eventually. But it's, it's a very sad story. It was a very long day for him and for me. Um, the rest of the week was basically me going back through book number three of my urban fantasy for round two of just really basic edits. Um, I'm done with content editing. So this is just me catching where I've like accidentally left out, you know, consonants, which I do a lot of. I think I'm just typing too quickly. And then I also have to, you know, correct some like grammar or punctuation issues. This is the point where I usually get really sick of reading the book again because it's like my third, sometimes fourth go round. So today is Saturday that I'm recording and I am on chapter, I think 18 or 19. And there's only like 22 chapters in this book. So I'm almost there, you guys. Um, it's taken longer than I thought it would, but you know, it takes as long as it takes. And I, I want to make sure that I put out a really great product and a, a great story. So hopefully it'll be done soon. So I think uh, next up is to start the second round of edits on another nonfiction career-related book for introverted job seekers. I know that I have a little bit of cleaning up to do on that one, but it's a short read, so like around 100 pages, which means it really won't take as long as my fiction usually does. Uh, my fiction's usually around like two or 300 pages. I am also still doing coaching sessions with Megan Kuhar on creating a more aligned brand and website for Evergrowth Coach. And so that that's actually going really well. And I should hopefully be making some updates to the website pretty soon to make it a lot prettier and a lot more inviting to potential resume writing clients. And another thing this week, um, as you can probably tell from the sound of this audio, I'm still not back in my little podcasting studio yet. I just got some soundproofing foam like pads or squares that I have to put up and then I should be back in there. Still no door um, because basically everywhere the doors are on back order. So for now, I'll be sticking with the super fancy moving blankets as a door. That's how we roll in Maine. <laughs> okay, so last update for this week. One thing that I've really like been leaning into lately not just this week, but honestly in the last few months, is getting better at utilizing the time that I am the most creative. 
So basically, like, I know that I'm the most, like, clear-headed and at my creative best in the morning between around, like, 5 to 11 a.m. I usually get up between 5 or 6 every day and just kind of end up screwing around and just consuming social media from, like, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. before, like, walking the dogs, working out or running, and then taking a shower, which then means I'm really not jumping into any real, like, creative work until around, like, 8.30 or 9. So really, like, looking at my morning timeline, I realized that I'm, I'm wasting my most creative hours with super mundane stuff. You know, I do have to walk the dogs in the morning or, you know, they will, they will seriously, like, revolt. And I found that if I don't work out in the morning that I just won't end up doing it at all later in the day. So I'm going to keep those in my morning routine. But I'm going to try to stop wasting so much time consuming social media in the morning. There's like two hours of prime creative Jenny time that I could be using to outline new books or like actually be writing. (laughs) And I kind of feel like I'm just wasting that right now. And yes, I could force myself to get stuff done in the afternoon when I'm not as creative, but like why not fill that time with less creative tasks? So I am giving myself a challenge of taking back my two hours of creative morning time. No more consuming social media before 11 a.m., I am still allowed to hop on socials in the afternoon, but no more like just wasting my most creative hours consuming other people's content. I might give myself a pass on creating content for social media, especially TikTok, because that dude, I posted a video on there today and it got like 11,000 views. So I'm, I, I'm loving some TikTok guys. Um, but uh, So I, I might create content in the morning, but really only creative things, not consuming things. Um, so we're going we're gonna to see if I can keep this up for at least a week. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> what about you, listeners? What is the most creative time for you? When is the best time of the day that your brain is like ready to crank out some fantastic creations or is really great at problem solving? Have you had to like change your schedule to accommodate when you're the most creative like I'm trying to do? I would love to hear what works best for you guys, mostly so I can steal your ideas and to apply them to my own life. <laughs> But I would also love to share them in the next episode. So you can tweet me what works best for you or if you've had to change your schedule to sort of accommodate when you are the most creative or the best at problem solving. You can tweet me at GFO podcast, message me on Instagram at go find out podcast or tag me on my currently favorite social media TikTok and show me like what is your most creative time of day. All right, let's roll on to the meat of the show and talk about how the path of least resistance is often the wrong path. All right, let's talk about the path of least resistance and how it's not always the right path for us. Now, this is something that is easier to see after the fact in hindsight. And it's something that we're really not likely to be objective about because it's always easier to look back and find the instances in which we made the wrong decision by choosing the path of least resistance. It's a lot more difficult to see examples from our past when we chose the easy path and it ended up being the right choice. That said, let's start by talking about why we choose the path of least resistance and what that really means. When I talk about choosing the path of least resistance, I'm referring to those instances in our lives when we're presented with more than one choice and we choose the easier option. A great simplistic example is choosing a running path. I know I'm I'm talking about running again, but hear me out here. If you choose a flat running path to train on, then it's a hell of a lot easier than choosing to train on a path that has a lot of hills. I know because there's a lot of freaking hills here where I live in Maine. Choosing the easier path might keep you motivated to stick to your training plan, but when it comes time to actually run a race, if the official race path involves hills, then that training won't be as useful to you as running that path with all the hills. 
you're really going to struggle in the race when you hit those hills while the runner who chose to train on that hilly path every day isn't going to struggle as much as you because they're ready for the hills. If you had chosen to take that path with more resistance, the hills, then you'd be a lot more prepared for the race. But it's so much easier to choose that path of least resistance, isn't it? I gotta say, whenever I run, it's a lot easier to choose that sort of flat area instead of the longer, hillier terrain. And listeners, I have to tell you, as I was preparing this podcast, I really recognized that it's really not about whether it's the path of most or least resistance. It's really all in how we look at things in hindsight. The thing is, we're mostly going to look at this path of least resistance thing and apply it to the big choices in our lives, right? Like me choosing to major in psychology during undergrad instead of creative writing because even though I was paying for it myself and it was fully my choice, I knew that I'd get less pushback from my parents and from others since having a bachelor's in English seemed like a poor choice for finding a job later. And side note, as it turns out, after getting my bachelor's degree in psychology, I still had to go on and get a master's degree to make any kind of living wage in that field, which is about the same thing that would have happened if I'd gone for a degree in English. Only I probably would have cranked out more books by this point with an English degree. But I digress. Do you see what I mean by the whole like hindsight thing? I can easily look back and think, if only I had done this thing, then my life would be so much different. But I have no idea if it really would be or not. And I don't know if I'd actually have been better off or not to choose a degree in English. What if doing so had made me feel burned out on writing? What if it meant getting rejected over and over by traditional publishing to the point where I just gave up on writing altogether? This is the problem with looking back and assuming that your guess is right when you think about how things might have turned out had you chosen differently. You're only guessing. You have no idea how things would have turned out if you decided to choose a different path. But when we look back and know that we chose a certain easier path over the more difficult option, that's when we beat ourselves up for our choices. I would argue that this is the real reason that this whole path of least resistance is often the right path is even a thing. It's all based on what information we elected to make a choice on. Because here's the thing, if I have a big choice to make between two options and I gather all the information I possibly can about those choices, then make a decision based off of that information. Then even if I chose poorly and things don't turn out well, then I can look back and go, well, it seemed like the best option given the facts that I had at that time. The best option, not the easiest option, right? I don't know about you, but I'm a lot more likely to cut myself some slack for that kind of decision. I will forgive myself for making a poor choice if I made a decision based on facts rather than a decision based off how difficult the other options were. So if we're basing our decisions off of how easy an option is, then of course we're going to beat ourselves up in the future if what we decide is the wrong choice. This is why if you're basing your decision on how easy something is, then your choice is probably going to feel like the wrong choice. Not because it is the wrong choice, but because we'll perceive it that way in the future if we don't like how things turn out. I would also argue that choosing a difficult path just because it is the difficult path could lead to the same outcome of unhappiness with that choice. So don't choose your path based solely on how difficult or easy that path might be. Instead, choose your path based on the most information you can gather on the subject. So if you're like, I want to start my own business as an artist, but I know that's a lot harder than working for, let's say, a traditional employer in graphic design. 
then don't just choose the easiest path because it looks like the easiest path. First off, sometimes we're completely terrible at gauging how difficult something will actually be. And secondly, you want to collect as much information as you possibly can about both options before making your choice. And a large part of that data collection process will include looking at not just how your decision will affect you, but how it will affect your family if you're the sole provider for more than just yourself. Another thing to take into consideration is that sometimes we see things in black and white. We limit ourselves to only two, maybe three options because we aren't willing to do the research to see if there are other options out there. As an example, going back to the whole college major thing, if I had bothered to do a little research and talk to the folks at the school, I would have learned that maybe I could have double majored in both psychology and English. Instead, I chose the path of least resistance and I just stuck with that choice once it was made. So next time you have a big decision to make and you have a little time before you have to choose an option, start by doing your research on all the available options. Try to see if there's a third or fourth option that maybe you're just not seeing yet. If possible, talk to people who have faced the same decision. Just make sure you're talking to folks on both sides so that you're getting info about the results of both possible outcomes or options. Once you have lots of information, you'll be able to make a more informed choice rather than simply basing your decision on how easy or difficult that option will be. And whether you've made the right choice or not, you'll be able to stand by that choice because it was the best possible option at that time. All right. I hope that this helps some of you out there who are facing maybe some big life choices right now. Until next week, listeners, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at Go Find Out Podcast. That's it for today. Now go find out.